Computer, initialize Holosuite. Good evening and welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 4, Episode 6, Rejoined. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That is correct, and as I say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we are awesome. We're a pretty good time, and um, I think we offer some uh, pretty interesting things that you might not have considered before, and maybe you have, but either way, you get to hear from us and our sweet voices, (laughs) and then you can tell us about it as well. You can find us, obviously, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, as David has just listed Also YouTube, and of course on Twitter, where we try to be as interactive as possible. Now, brief update about the never-ending Twitter saga. It seems like, briefly, I did have access to our Twitter account, but then that has gone away. There seems to be this uproar about blue checks, and it's causing some kind of issue with um, content verification or whatever. I didn't understand the whole thing that came out. All I just knew is one minute I had access, and the next I didn't. So I'm trying to get that sorted as quickly as I can. I do apologize for any particular delays, but um, we're working on it. All right. So, But in the meantime, you can still find us also on uh, Facebook, and we post there pretty regularly as well. So before we get into uh, this episode, did want to give us a quick chance to catch up with one another. So David, how has your week been? It's been good. Work's been good. Um, as I mentioned last week, I was uh, about to start reading Altered Carbon, which was based on that Netflix show. Or I'm sorry, the Netflix show was based on this book. So I finished it this mm-hmm. week. It's another example, like with The Expanse, where I think the show by giving the show writers a chance, gives them a, uh, but giving them a chance to like re, uh, go at the story a second time allows them to work some kinks out in the story and actually make some improvements. Um, I know a lot of times people say the book is better than the movie or the show. I think this is an example where the show, I mean, I watched the show first, so I'm one of those people who in this case, maybe it's that I saw the show first, but I really do think that they were able to uh, keep most of the plot intact from the book, but make a number of improvements to, keep you more invested, make the villain more interesting. And so I like the book quite a bit. I've already ordered the second and third ones. Uh, looking forward to reading those, seeing if they're as good. And I'll probably watch season two this week, or start season two this week, and I'll have an update for you uh, there. Cool. So yeah, uh, I do remember that you talked about that before, that you were reading it. I had also watched the show, loved the first season, didn't love the second season quite so much, but I never actually went and finished all of the second season, so I need to go back and do that. So I think that perhaps when you get there, I will join you. Okay. Um, I have not read the books. I don't know anything about the books, but I mean, I might check those out at some point as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I have wrapped up the third Expanse book, uh, final or fourth Expanse, whichever one third we're one, on, third we were one. reading. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I've wrapped up the third one. Um, I am 
basically kind of taking a break from the series because I wanted to get into the H.P. Lovecraft um, book that I got here. So I'm probably going to you know, go that direction for a little bit, at least get through a couple of those short stories, and then we can kind of circle back and touch base on um, The Expanse and um, the, the show as well. Um, for those of you who are um, Sharia Agdashlu fans, Christian Abbasarawa fans, you should know that she's in the new movie uh, Renfield, which, even though it's a Nick Cage movie, um, I still feel like I want to check out, if only to see her again, yes. because <laughs> I'm not going to deny that I love this woman. I think that she's fantastic. And um, You're not uh, a Nick Cage fan. That's what you're saying. You aren't necessarily a Nick yes. Cage fan. You wouldn't go for it for Nick Cage. You're going to go for no. her. Yeah. No. I, and for those of you who are Nick Cage fans, why? <laughs> I was gonna, I, I was, I was gonna say like I don't begrudge you, but I kind of do. Like why? Like objectively, I had a friend why? in college who loves Con Air. Con Air was his favorite film, which is also the one where Nick Cage puts on a real bad Southern accent. A real bad Southern yeah, accent. Like, a real bad Southern accent. But I think the reason Nick Cage is either. Well, it is beloved by anybody is because he commits fully to his his roles. Not the bees, not the bees, ah, the bees. Like you know, he gives it his all, and um, that's what you want. I remember you want actors who give it their all. I maybe, but I mean, I remember there was like a time there where it seemed like Nick Cage was in just oh, about everything. Yeah, you know, and he just, and I just, I never thought that he was good. Like the the things that he was in, they were good in spite of him. Like they had every reason to fail, and yet for some reason they pulled it off. Like that national treasure nonsense. I have no idea why that was a successful uh, franchise at all. Whether there's like three of those movies again, whatever. Why there shouldn't have been, but why? Um, Gone in 60 Seconds, which was nothing but a colossal name drop across the board. Every person in that movie was a bigger star than he was. And it was just like, but he was the central focal point, And it was just like everyone else was literally doing the heavy lifting there because he was awful. Um, what was it? Ghost Rider is another series that he was in. How many of those are there? Two? Three? There's I don't know. Two of those, yeah. See? Again, I, I, I don't know. I just I just keep thinking how... How does he keep getting work? I don't understand it. And now here we are, and this is some 20 years later, because uh, Gone in 60 Seconds came out in what, 90, 98? Dude, yeah. 99, yeah. something like that? Yep. You know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and he's still at it. Yeah. So maybe there's just something about him that I'm not seeing. And the crazy thing is, I end up at some point seeing his movies. I, don't, I think... I think I saw Gone in 60 Seconds in the theaters. Oh, yeah? Um, but yeah, every other movie I've seen, it was on TV already or, <laughs> um, you know, someone someone else had it or whatever. Uh, what was the other? The Rock was another crazy yeah. movie that he was in yep. with Sean, Sean Connery. Oh, you know? yeah. And again, heavy lifting by <laughs> Sean Connery in this movie. <laughs> All right, heavy. Michael Bay, man. Michael Bay movies. Yes. Lots of explosions. Lots Jesus. of car chases. Lots of ex right. And um <laughs> and uh, Ed Harris was the other person. Yeah, Again, that's right. That's lots right. of heavy lifting. They were struggling, yeah. <laughs> pulling that movie out from the dumpster fire that it was definitely headed for. <laughs> um, I the way I look at movies like that is like I'm just there for the fun, the action. I'm not there for to treat it seriously, but. 
I try to be. And then, of course, there was who can forget Face Off? The, the, the billing for Face Off oh, alone would make you think that this movie was like top tier. Yes, it's a, it's a meme that at movie, this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Movie came out what? 95, 96. Off. <laughs> and if you guess, and if you think about it, it makes absolutely no sense. Because no. even if, yes, even if yes. it was possible to do the thing, the underlying Your muscle bone structure, structure. And structure, bone structure, <laughs> would not make you look like the other person exactly. to that degree. Yes, it was. It was that crazy time of we don't know how science works. <laughs> Throw a throw and, a sci-fi concept yes. at the wall, see what sticks. Exactly. Yeah. We're gonna do this, man. And, and we're just <laughs> we're just gonna smash through yeah. on this thing. And that that's pretty much that's pretty much the nineties. I think that's why I'm so fascinated by the nineties, because so much of it just doesn't make sense. Like when you really sit down and think about what you're getting ready to watch and experience, a lot of it you're just like, What were they on? That got them to this point. Right. And that movie really does sum it up. Like, yeah, face off. <laughs> and you thought this was going to work. <laughs> and again, Nick Cage, John Travolta. The doves, personally, man, the doves. I think yeah. that's, uh, who is that act, that director who always does doves in his films? I think it's the Asian guy, but I can't remember his name at the moment. Uh, but I, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, um, crazy, uh, crazy run for Nick Cage, for sure. All that to say... If I see Renfield, I will be seeing it for Sheree. I hope she has a substantial part in the movie because I'll be very upset if she's just in it to be, you know, I don't know, whatever she is. And then she's only in it for like 10 minutes and she's gone. I'll be highly upset, which is probably why, even though there's a part of me that wants to go and see it in the theater because I know that contributes to her success and everything else. Part of me doesn't want to because I feel like I'll be severely disappointed. She's in the movie for three minutes, she dies, and then that's it. Now I have no more charade to see or look at or listen to, <laughs> and I've got to suffer through the next two hours of Nick Cage trying to figure out how to act for the first time. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to do it. So no. Uh, man. All right, all right. Uh, maybe you so, and I yeah. can go see it again, like we did uh, John Wick Four a couple weeks back. You know what? I'll be willing to go see it when it hits the dollar theater. All right. Let's do that. So, Let's do that. All right. <laughs> um. Otherwise, you know, my week has been pretty uneventful. Working stuff, trying to get some things together. I'm still slated to go to that training in June in Houston, so I'm pretty excited about that. Looking to really kind of expand my um, professional opportunities here, and obviously make some more money. So, guys, you know, who knows? In a couple of months, we may be able to do some other things here with the show. Speaking of which, um, unfortunately, I, we were supposed to be announcing our contest winner on this episode, but um, we don't have one. So, uh, David is now. Out here, if you're if you're watching us on YouTube now, you can see David <laughs> modeling an example of the mug that you could have won. Yeah. Um, we would have allowed you to pick your color, of course, but David um, was just showing you there. So, just a simple thing that we are doing: simple little giveaway, completely free, no big deal. But no, apparently you guys have enough enough mugs, and that's fine. You got enough mugs. We'll just you know we'll keep it, we'll keep it ourselves. <laughs> Um, and maybe we'll bring this back in, you know, uh, a couple of months or something. I don't know, but no, no winner this time. So you still have a chance. Move on. If you're out there, you have a chance. <laughs> no, you don't have a oh, chance. It's, it's, done. it's, done. it's over. You lost your it's chance. Over. Never mind. Sorry. As of this broadcast, it's over. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you had five weeks. And, right. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> you had a long time. We talked about it every week, and I'm kind of petty and deep in my feels. So no, we're it's done. We're not gonna do it. You you have to wait until next time. 
Mm. All right. So, to that end, we've taken care of all of our housekeeping, and it is now time to turn our attention to Star Trek Deep Space Nine in the episode Rejoined here in the fourth season. So, um, this is a very interesting episode, to say the least. This is a very controversial episode, to say the most. Um, and we're going to get into all of it. Now, I know I normally ask David if he would like to do the recap, but in this instance, I'm going to do it. Go for it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm adamant about doing the recap in this episode. Okay. And since... And, I, and, and the only reason why is because there's a lot here that we want to go over and talk about, um, and I want to make sure that we have time to do it, so I've been practicing my summation uh-huh. of the episode, oh. okay? That way we can get to things. Let's do it. So, without further ado, the summation. In this episode, Jadzia Dax is reunited with a past wife, and uh, they put they kiss, talk about potentially getting back together, but they don't. The end. <laughs> that is the succinct summation of the episode. If you need to know more, go watch it. Or you can just listen to us here because we are going to get into it. But that is the highlight. That you don't need to know anything so else. That is so true. That is exactly you don't need to know. right. That's it. You don't need to know anything else uh, from us if, if you've already watched it because you know what we're getting ready to talk about. But that is the highlight of the episode. She's reunited with an ex-wife. They kiss. They talk about getting back together, but they don't. It's sad. The end. There is no B plot. All right. None whatsoever. So let's get into it. David, as this is the first time that you have watched this episode, what are your first impressions? What were your first thoughts when you when it was done and you kind of sat back there for a second with the episode off? What did you first think? Oh man. I I all right. So we'll we'll just jump in there. Um not a fan of this episode. For both plot reasons and for reasons outside of the plot. Um, so I'm going to just start by saying this. In our day and age, uh, the opinions I'm going to express are not the popular ones. They are not the ones that uh, politi- are politically correct, as was experienced at the time. But things have changed since then, so no surprise there. Um, frankly put, uh, everything was, re- was was revolving around the kissing scene, and so... Um, the plot suffered because that's, in my opinion, all that they cared about and all they cared to show, and therefore everything had to revolve around that moment, and it was intentionally controversial, intentionally offensive to people who uh, would say that that's objectionable material, uh, such as myself. And um, so when I was done, when I was watching the episode, I felt at times it was predictable because I felt like they were going in very obvious directions with the plot. And then when you consider that the plot as presented is a cover for the issues at play, we'll just keep it simple Mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, It, it meant that I felt like I was, I was watching it because that's what, I mean, I'm, I'm committed to watching the show. I'm not, it's not like I was throwing up my hands in disgust and I'm done with, and I never watched this again. Not like that, but I I wasn't a fan, um, and we can get to more into that. Again, I have reasons, I have plot reasons to not like all the things that happened outside of yeah. other reasons. But um, my first reaction was was not to enjoy this episode. So that's right. that's my first reaction. Yeah. So now I will say before you know we start seeing a flood of potential comments here or whatever it is. Guys, if you are a fan of Star Trek, you have to agree that Star Trek is all about uh, 
communication and the social discourse, right? We cover, Star Trek has always covered um, cultural and political issues of their respective eras. That is probably never going to change, nor should it. If you are a fan of this show at all, you should recognize that the, the basic founding you know, principle of the show is that we need to learn how to discuss matters with one another in a open and civil manner that will allow us to um, at least respect another person's opinion and perspective, regardless of whether or not we agree with it. Okay. So um, we're not going to be shutting anybody down. We are not going to be participating in any of that kind of like, I guess, cancel culture nonsense or any of that stuff. We are here to discuss. We are here to debate whether or not you agree with me, whether or not you agree with David, whether you have your own opinion entirely, that is perfectly fine, but we will not have any kind of, you know, this is, this is dumb. This is how dare you like any of that stuff, not doing it. Star Trek has always been about being open, being inclusive of all mindsets. Okay. Um, it's only when people start to try to enforce uh, their mindset, uh, enforce it on others, inflict it on others. When you start to trot upon another person's right to their individuality, that's when we have a problem. So we're not going to do that. We will be discussing this episode, but we will not do those other negative things. Yeah. All right. I, I, if I so may then. just quickly say, Cisco's response in this episode to Dax, he says, "Whatever your decision is, I am your friend. I support you." Perfect response. I'll back you all the way. Yes. Is what he says. Great that's, moment. Great. Highlight of the episode, hands down. Cisco once again knocking out of the park, despite yeah. anything else. And we're, and we're going to get so. to, and we're going to get to him too. We are definitely going to get to him too. So, um, <clears throat> I want to touch on something that you were, that you did say there. You know, especially about this episode. This episode being filmed in the '90s was, you know, obviously kind of a pivotal moment here. Um, in the 90s, we know that there were, um, it's kind of like a, a pivotal time for um, LGBTQ rights, okay? That's kind of like, even though there had been a slow forward progression of, um, a slow forward progression of uh, accepting and moving into an openness of uh, gay and lesbian people in in society and culture it seems like the 90s kind of was like our hotbed tipping point for a lot of that okay um i can recall that you know the whole the infamous don't ask don't tell uh doctrine was established in the military i think that was in the 90s 92 93 bill clinton signed that so when, whenever his presidency was mm -hmm. i'm not really sure yep. on the initial date there but that sounds right to me um you know, so that being a big thing, I know a lot of states were doing things to um, enact uh, laws that made discrimination based on sexual preference orientation uh, became illegal in a lot of states throughout the 90s. It wasn't overnight. This is not a bam, it's 1990 and all of a sudden this massive wave of legislation hit. That did not happen, but it was kind of in short order. You can track it, you know, like again, 93, I think, Don't Ask, Don't Tell went into effect. Then 94, 95, 96, several states enacted various laws and statutes to um, protect gay and lesbian people from uh, discrimination. Uh, we also start to see an uptick in this uh, culturally. A lot of television shows start to deal with the fact that they have characters who are, uh, who go from being closeted gay figures to openly gay figures on the show. I, you know, if you've been following us along on our, on our 
podcast here, I was, you know, very much engaged in watching ER for a long time. And one of the characters on that show made that transition from a closeted character to a openly uh, gay character on the show. Again, all during the 90s. Um, uh, probably the most famous person during the 90s to kind of come out and kind of spearhead a lot of this was Ellen DeGeneres. She had her own uh, television show called Ellen. And on that show, she eventually comes out as gay. And there was a huge backlash for her doing that. And that show was canceled. I believe it was on ABC. Sounds um, right. Way way back when. And uh, it was canceled. And then that subsequently led her to kind of like being kind of the face of the the new LGBTQ movement. And, uh, you know, obviously she, you know, had a huge success as a career with her career and doing a lot of things since then. And, you know, I think, I don't, I don't know. If she, I know she doesn't do a show anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously she had a good, you know, the next 30 years of a run, um, behind her kind of, you know, not just being, a, a openly gay person, but obviously she, uh, did a lot for that community and the involvement and so forth. She even won the, or was awarded the Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama. So I'm not really sure when that was, but obviously it was when he was president. So there. So yeah, there are a lot of changes that happened in this particular community during this time. Star Trek, again, is always reflective of the time in which it was filmed. This has been evident since the founding of the show. We can go all the way back to the 60s. First interracial kiss uh, being aired on television was on Star Trek, the original series between Kirk and Uhura. Every show has has had their their thing, their moment, okay? Right. So this is no different in that vein. Here they were trying to tackle a social issue. And, um, you know, even by the, but even by the creator standards, the writer standards, they still feel like they didn't quite hit the mark here with nailing this as a successful representation of a, uh, a homosexual relationship. Okay. So I will, I will say that out there, even the, even the writers, creators have said they don't feel like they quite got there. Um, so, uh, to that end, now I want to talk some more about the actual things that we see in the episode. <laughs> and um, um, what did you, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the ending when Lenara Khan, who plays the um, current host, the Trill scientist and current host of the Khan symbiont. So this is now where we get to see another symbiont, because now we've only really ever dealt with Dax. Now we have another one. And all Khan. other Trills we've dealt with have not also been joined, joined. with a symbiont. We've always met people That's who correct. might be you know, applying to be one at some point, or we went back to the home world, the Trill home world for a time, but that was to investigate Dax's symbiote and an issue there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the first time we've experienced someone else, other than the, the episode from The Next Generation, which introduced Trills as a species. Um, Correct. So you're asking what my, uh, uh, how, what I felt at the end? Um, yeah, like the, the end, like just, I'm not talking about, you know, just any anything other than, yeah, there's, Basically, Dax comes to Lenara and says, if you get on that transport, I know that you're never coming back. And at the end, we see that Lenara gets on the transport. Do you think that, um, yeah, do you think there was a good ending or not? Do you feel like there should have been more to that uh, part? Well, what I would say, and again, this is maybe, what I would say is that 
Because most every episode has to return to the status quo by the end, it makes sense that, yes, nothing ultimately happens. The end of this episode could have is the same as the end of the last episode, in the sense that we're still on Deep Space Nine, other than Worf joining the crew, and the Dominion being the main baddies that we have to face. I mean, there have been changes, of course. The Cardassian relationship with Bajor has changed over the season, so there are changes over time. But in general, most episodes end the way the end the episode began, the status quo is returned to. So I'm not surprised that that's what happens. But for me, that's also an example of why I I, I, I lost respect for Dax in this episode, for Jadzia. She is the threat that the these two, that Khan and Dax have, is that if they engage in a rejoining, or a, it's not rejoining, I guess, it's, what's the word? Reassociation. Reassociation. If they engage in a reassociation, that is considered a taboo behavior by joined Trill. Uh, you're not supposed to associate with previous lovers or relationships um, in new hosts. And Jadzia straight up ignores all that advice. Um, she, I'll say it now. Uh, I lost respect for her for several reasons. One, Benjamin Sisko warned her and gave her an opportunity to avoid this temptation. And she said she could handle it. And yet every opportunity she had, she ran toward the temptation. Now I'm talking again. I said earlier, I have in, in the episode reasons to be upset with how this episode went and outside the episode reasons to be upset. So in the episode yes. itself, Jadzia is not truthful with Cisco, or at the very least, she was not honorable enough to admit to herself and to Cisco that she was going to have a problem. She ran toward the problem full tilt. She barely, I mean, she she brought Bashir along for uh, as a chaperone once, and that was basically it. Uh, she does, I guess, when when Khan comes to her room, say, "I don't think we should have this conversation." So there, she's not like completely running toward this temptation of hers, but she doesn't do a whole lot to stop herself or put a lot of barriers in her own way. Um, she uh, says to Khan, hey, why don't you give up your entire life and be exiled from Trill to join me? I already live basically a free life here on Deep Space Nine. What am I really sacrificing? Not much. You know, she's not sacrificing much for this relationship, but she's asking the other person to sacrifice everything else. And then finally... Uh, I feel like Jadzia is sacrificing the Jadzia part of herself to a previous host. The previous husband okay. of the Khan symbiote is the one who had the emotional and every physical relationship with the previous host of the Khan symbiote. And therefore, that is the personality that is basically kind of running everything. I mean, now to be fair to Jadzia, she can make, I'm not saying that she was like, possessed by that character and she doesn't make any decisions for herself and that she doesn't mm. that the relationship between these two characters doesn't develop within the episode my point is is that i i lose jadzia amongst everything that happens in this episode and okay. i feel like that's a problem for dax in general All, the only thing we know about dax is that she is a symbiote or she, she's a trill with the symbiote and that she knew cisco in the past and i feel like the, the show has had a trouble establishing her character and this is another instance where all that really is interesting about about Jadzia is the fact that she is a trill who has associated with the Dax symbiote and that's what drives the interesting parts of her character as far as the show is concerned and so again for this episode it wasn't Jadzia for example it wasn't Jadzia who was the one saying to the other person no 
I am a new person and I, I am moving on from that relationship for the best of my symbiote or whatever. She's the one who is following her passion, her feelings. And I, again, within the episode itself and with outside the morality of the episode outside the episode, that rubs me the wrong way. So I know you were saying, what do you feel at the end when when uh, Khan is leaving? I was not surprised because again we're returning to the status quo. I I didn't want them to. I didn't want Dax to run off. I want her to be a part of our crew, and I didn't want her to stay because I I don't know much about this character than the fact that she was a previous. She's now the current host of a previous Khan symbiote's host, all that jazz. So. Yeah, I know it was a lot. I, I threw a lot out there, so there, yeah. Yeah, so you're absolutely right, and uh, there is a lot here, and that's kind of why I was like, I'm glad there is no a a plot or b plot to this story, uh, to this episode, because there is a lot that we have to unpack here. So, um, again, kind of the another term for this episode, or another phrase that's been used for this episode, has been you know things like um, you know the gay episode that wasn't. Right, because while it does feature a same-sex kiss, that's not what this episode that's is exactly actually right. about. Right, and so within the context kind of, of the story itself, yes, yes, that's not what it. You know, so when, when people you know kind of latch on there and the controversy surrounding the episode, it's always one of those things like you know the kind of the phrase that we hear a lot with other things. And I'm going to use it here for this episode. It's like, uh. Tell me you didn't watch the episode without telling me you didn't watch the episode, right? <laughs> if if your main takeaway is, oh, that's the gay episode, then it's clear you didn't watch it because that's not what this episode is actually about. Right. Um, now, I completely agree with you on this, on why you would say that you would lose respect for Dax because this is probably the quintessential trill episode because we are dealing with two different symbionts and we hear now kind of the whole crux of what it means to be joined what is the purpose of being joined and it's told to us right at the beginning of the episode when we find out about lenara coming to the station and you know there and and um it's bashir and uh kira they're talking in quirks and he he breaks it down for you yes that the whole point of being joined is so that the symbiont not the individual not the host but so that the symbiont can experience as many different varied forms of life as possible, right. different lifestyles as possible. Yes. Okay. That is the point. And that as Jadzia herself has explained it, this is what, you know, uh, Cisco reminds her of uh, via, you know, what Curzon said in that each host is just a link in the chain and that it is their job as host to, you know, give this experience onto the symbiont and the symbiont must learn to let go of that past association and to embrace a new life. Now, we don't know what the end goal of this is. We, the one thing we don't really know about the symbionts is, you know, are they essentially immortal? Because the way they talk about them, it sounds like they are. It sounds like they can just exist forever as long as there is a stream of hosts for them to be implanted in. Right. I don't know. We don't know if like there's an end goal where the symbiont itself kind of goes through uh, a metamorphosis of such and becomes a different type of being and then has amassed all this knowledge and experience or whatever. We don't. We don't know any of that. But we do know that based upon Trill society, the most important thing to them, especially if you are a joined Trill. The most important thing is that the 
the symbiont survives and moves forward. Right. That that experience, that lifetime, that wealth of knowledge moves forward, right. progresses. When you reassociate, you are basically stopping that process from occurring. Right. You are keeping the symbiont stagnant in a pattern of life that um, it can no longer gain anything from. Right. That's why it's the taboo. They talked about how there were other symbionts that, that had done this reassociation and they were exiled. Right. So whenever that host went to wherever it was they went and died, that was it. No one was there to take that symbiont back to the true home world or any of that stuff. The symbiont died the host died all that knowledge all that history all of it gone right and we also know from previous episodes dax is not obviously she's not the first host of or jazia is not the first host of dax right. there are at least eight that we know of right. there are at least she she is the she is jazia is the seventh or eighth host right. and even then they're not really 100 percent sure on that because even because cisco has said before in the past that he believes that she is the seventh but there have been times where they've been talking and when they'll do a count she'll throw out some other random names so it sounds like regardless of where they fall on this again the, at least the dax symbiont is extremely long-lived it's been passed around a lot of times right. now we also know that some people have died prematurely like tarias who is a kind of a focal point in this story here he was a shuttle pilot who crashed during a test run so we know that he you know died pretty young right um but that doesn't mean they all did we know that the first dax host lived to be like 80 something years old too so if we if we take that into consideration the host itself could be upwards of three four hundred years in fact i do believe in the lore it does say that at the time that we meet Jadzia for the first time in the in the pilot episode, that uh, the the symbiont is three hundred and twenty eight years old. Yeah, right. So a lot a lot of experience here, a lot of history here right. that is accumulated in this one small form. Right. And now here comes Jadzia, and she is going to potentially. Um, destroy all of that history. Right. She's going to walk away from all that history and uh, live a life in exile and die. And everything that we know about the symbionts, uh, Tarias, Emini, um, Duran, Curzon, all of them will now be gone because Jadzia made the choice. Right. And it flies in the face of everything that we know about Jadzia because nothing was more important to her than being joined. We've heard that again and again. She washed out of the Trill Academy, reapplied, rededicated herself, passed on the second go-through, and was a, became a joined Trill. And now she's going to throw all that away? Right. Like, that was a part that I also kind of, like, that stood out to me because it was just like, we just learned all of this stuff and how important it is. And for Jadzia, who was obviously at one point seen as kind of a pinnacle that she was slated to be a trainee for an initiate, even that she's just suddenly going to walk away from all that for Lenara Khan. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't buy it. Now I, I did buy the parts where they were talking about where Lenara and Dax were talking and they kind of got caught up in personalities. Right. And they were having a difficulty distinguishing between being Lenara and um, the previous host. The, other one. It the previous end, host, right? Doesn't it? Yes. Is 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 it Niala? Something like that. I want to say it was like that. Yeah. 
um, and then versus being Jadzia and Tarias. Right. So it there's a lot of back and forth there, and I could that I could totally uh, understand. There are strong emotions there. Again, a life ended prematurely. That I think that that more than anything would have been an interesting facet for them to have to deal with for the trill. Right. How do how do they demonstrate that kind of control when there was a person who had such a bright and vibrant life that was cut short and yet and they remember obviously right up to the point of their death because even Jadzia says Tarias feels so bad right. because his wife advised him to not go on that mission to not fly that ship and he did it anyway right and he regrets and it as, as Jadzia Dax it. says on behalf of Tarias she's he is sorry whatever part of me is still Tarias I'm sorry that I ignored your advice and, I wish I had listened to you. Right. They, and, and that kind of interplay of he said, but I said, she said, but I, you know, that Nalani is the name. Jesus, that was killing me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that back and forth interplay, I I understood right. and I actually really enjoyed. I like right. seeing how it, it kind of messed with their personalities. Right. But again, that goes back to the initiate training. They have right. to learn to control those strong emotions yes, and um, exactly the fact right. that this kind of flies in the face of all of this for Jadzia up to this point, that was the troubling part for me because it was just like, that's not the Jadzia that we have come to know up to this point. Yes, exactly. And I, I just want to reiterate that I feel like this is just another example of the show having a problem of nailing down what do, tr what is Dax? What are, what are Trill? What's the, differentiation between the characters the host versus the symbiote the previous host versus the new ones you know we had that episode where Curzon was embodying um odo and Curzon expresses he was romantically attracted to jadzia as when they were and like like how are you hosting someone else's thoughts and memories and that person had romantic at least attractions to you like i the the mind, <laughs> all of that just doesn't seem like it would meld very well together. But again, in this episode, I I'll put it very directly. The lesbian kiss was the drive of the episode. That's the they on TV. It drives controversy. It was the, what I wanted it to show. But because they're using the sci-fi element of the symbiotes as the taboo part, it's not that they're two women having a relationship that's the objection. It's the symbiotes having past histories of the objection the show tries to have both its cake and eat it too it wants to have the same sex uh suggestion and there's no there's no there's no in-universe uh, objection to that we're in art i mean the show had controversy around that part of it but within the episode itself it's about the symbiote and as you just pointed out dax uh sorry jadzia was the person who should have already at least address some of this on some level. She is supposed to have so, gone through training about this sort of thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just wanted to correct you because um, what you said was actually not true. The show, the episode was not about 
the kiss that was not supposed to be the focal point of the show. But due to when this episode was filmed and obviously the promos going out for it, this was a spot that was used, you know, was teased in the promo. So like if you if you go if you could go back and watch this particular commercial for the promo for this episode, it showed Lenara and Jadzia close as we know from watching the episode, we know the scene where it eventually happens, but right. the promo did not show it. Right. They teased it. Right. And because of that, it kind of became the sensationalism of the show uh, uh, for this particular episode. But that was not the driving force of the show. This episode was truly supposed to be about um, a a rejoining of a lost love. This was, That was kind of the, the point. It was not supposed to be any kind of statement about um gay lesbian anything that was that was really not it in fact it became when they released the promos it became such a big deal that at one point there was a um uh another uh entertainment team like one of those entertainment tonight you know weekly shock drama sensationalized shows you know what i mean you know those kind of entertainment news yeah. mm-hmm. programs they wanted to film the scene they wanted to film the scene and in kind of and just kind of use that in their own promos and stuff and kind of do like a behind the scenes of it and whatever else but um the director refused to let them and uh who was the director on this episode avery brooks that's right. Avery Brooks did. And Avery Brooks said, no, you're not going to do it. And um, if you go in and you look at any of the background information about the episode, you again will find that the, they did not want to treat this necessarily as an episode about uh, making a statement about gay and lesbian rights or anything like that. They were trying to make a statement about past relationships coming into uh, play in the present. And, you know, that message definitely got lost in the fact that this was a um a same sex kiss okay um but to their credit or i guess to Avery Brooks's credit uh they talk a lot about how he really did a lot to not just direct the scenes but also to kind of direct the flow of information and things like that on the set during this time he really controlled a lot of aspects that right. were going on behind the scenes on this one and the actors claimed that it actually made the filming of the whole episode and in particular those scenes um a lot easier to do because he made sure they were comfortable with what they were going to be doing and representing and, and so forth and um so yeah once again shout out to avery brooks for being just a awesome person apparently for taking care of his colleagues and getting them to kind of get through this very difficult um episode and time because obviously this got to show a lot of attention and unfortunately a lot of it was negative considering what they were filming and presenting right so um so i just want to throw that out there but the, yeah that was not the point of the episode it kind of became the point once it became known what they were going to be filming and everything else and the message overall got lost and became oh star trek's doing a a gay episode no not necessarily this is kind of a a genderless in a way a genderless situation because it didn't it, it wasn't supposed to matter that lenara and jadzia were both women this was about the fact that they had had a previous romantic association and they were now together once again and they were uh they the will they won't they of the continuation of that being the problem 
Well, so that's it. Um, so it's interesting you say that because what I'm reading on Wikipedia seems to suggest from what I'm reading that the homosexual angle on the relationship was certainly in their mind. Uh, so again, I'm just reading from Wikipedia. It became that. No, it, it's like I'm saying, it became that. When they initially started this, that right. was not the goal, but it became that. Right. And as the sensationalism kind of took over and then, you know, powers that be producers and stuff, you know, get a hold of it and they're like, hey, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. It, right. it became that. And well, my it, but point, though, is, day, is that uh, it became yeah. that. So I'll just read real quickly what I'm seeing here on Wikipedia. This is in the yeah. um, writing and directing notes for the episode. In Echevarria's first draft of the story, there was no lesbian element as Dax's former lover was male. The trill taboo against uniting relationships for past hosts was suggested by Pillar early on in the creation of Deep Space Nine in order for the society to prevent an aristocracy of the joined, where joined hosts never met anyone they did not already know. It was Moore's suggestion to make Dax's former partner a woman in order to tackle the taboo against homosexuality by way of the on-screen taboo against reassociation. At that stage, they intended to make no reference in the story uh, to any characters having a concern about Dax's relationship with the woman as to focus the story. So that, for me, that's what right. I was critiquing earlier by they wanted to have their cake and eat it too. Because I do think that within the universe of Trill... Yes, it is an interesting idea to explore. Whether even with the same sex element, what does it mean for these uh, previous for for the the symbiotes to have relationships through new hosts with past relationships? You know, the, the whole that whole thing yeah. is definitely yeah. interesting and worth exploring. If they had decided to go with the original concept of a male partner for Jadzia's character, you you could have had that angle without going with the same sex angle. Now I'm not so just wait. Uh, I'm, uh, hold no. on. Let me finish. Okay. I just okay. want to say that yes, <laughs> this this makes the episode more interesting to bring in the same sex element. But for me, again, the problem is is that they're. Um, I don't. I didn't believe that it was Jadzia attracted to this woman because she Jadzia was attracted to the current woman. So let me put it this way: if you want to tackle the same sex elements. I feel you should go ahead, go ahead, and go after the same sex okay. elements in a story where that is the focus. And if you want to focus on the the symbiote element of it, you could have done so without bringing in the homosexual element. Now, again, it makes the episode interesting to have it done this way. And I'm not saying that it wasn't interesting for that reason. I'm saying that there were problems within the episode itself that I had, and then outside yeah. of it. But I. I from what you said, that they weren't thinking, or at least it wasn't the focus, they were trying to focus on, within the episode itself, you're right, within the episode itself, the episode is focusing on past relationships and how the Trill deal with that. My point is, is that the context of the show on the outside seems, from what I, I'm yeah. seeing and from what I just read, that that was something they had in mind, and even were willing to put front and center and I would say that the whole point of like the promos didn't show the kiss. Well, of course they didn't. They were trying to tease that there might be. Therefore, you have to watch the episode right, to the, see if it happens. The sensationalism. Right. right. Yeah, the yeah, sensationalism. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was going to say on that was, you know, uh, again, Ronald Moore came up with using a, a woman for the role because there was the thought that, excuse me, the objection to the taboo would not have been as strong if it was a male playing a potential love interest for Jadzia. So if the Dax, or not the Dax, but if the Khan symbiont had stepped off the transport and was a attractive man, 
to go through this whole thing with Jadzia, they felt like the objection people wouldn't have understood as much because they'd have been like, oh, well, I mean, they they could be a good couple together. That's so sad. They know so much about each other. They, you know, all all of the compatibilities would have made um would have made it more difficult to justify the decision at the end to leave. Right. You would have had more people being sympathetic to the the standing of the relationship versus the utilization of a woman, it made things stand out in more stark contrast because it's like, okay, this is exactly why, to, you know, yeah, exactly why we don't allow for these associations because it flies in the face of the need for the symbionts to move out. It made it, especially considering the, the day and age and where it was filmed, it made the, I guess, the taboo aspect of it more apparent. Right. Um, but when you take that into consideration, again, tied in with the sensationalism of the kiss, I think it loses that overall message because all people focused on was the kiss. And even to the point where people were writing into the show, you know, there, there are several people who talked about that someone, you know, wrote in or called in or whatever and complained saying, you know, you're ruining my kids by making them watch two women kiss like that. I mean, and, and why I find that so funny and why I wanted to bring it up is because this is the same kind of objections that we've heard about different aspects of Trek since forever. So whenever anybody talks about Star Trek not being a controversial show, I, I just love bringing that point up because I'm like, again, here it is, 1995, still dealing with this, and here we are, 2023, all the new shows that we've got out, and it's it's still an objection. Well, I mean, so yeah, all, as, as you know, you've told me, again, I'm not sure how much I knew this beforehand, but like in yeah. the original series, Kirk kissing... Um, Uhura, Michelle right? Michelle Nichols, Uhura, yes. Yeah, so on Spree and Oh, they were ready to, to shut that. They were ready to shut the show down right. for that one. That was like, that was it. It was like, I cannot believe this made it onto TV. What's right. the world coming to? Star Trek is over. Right. Like, that was that. Was that. Right. And for me, and again, you've watched the original series, so tell me if this is true. Part of me feels like, okay, good. It was on screen. I mean, I interracial kissing is not something that I think is objectionable. Therefore, great, fine. My concern is that Kirk is kind of known for being a womanizer. Was he just going through a hurrah because he goes through women like, you know, he goes through underpants? You know, like, how serious was this kiss? So, so in the episode, and, I th and this is one of those things that always gets debated too, in that particular episode, he is actually forced to kiss Uhura. Um, they, the episode is called Plato's Stepchildren for those of you who want to go back and watch the episode and basically the situation is that the Enterprise arrives on this planet where people have uh, not only stopped aging but they have through just living on the planet and eating the food and being exposed to the environment have developed certain um, powers and abilities and uh, they've kind of set themselves up as kind of some like a neo-Roman uh, uh, culture and so they've got these abilities and everything else and they basically decide that because they're bored they're going to subjugate the Enterprise crew to whatever humiliations and games they can come up with so using their mental abilities they force the crew certain members of the crew anyway to do things like at one point they make um, Kirk and Spock act like ponies and then there's another part where they like make Spock do a weird dance, and he, I think he, he kicks Kirk in the head a couple times, and 
Um, just a bunch of random, like, crazy things, basically to demonstrate they have power over them. And so um, and when they get to this particular point where the kiss is happening, they have made Uhura and Chapel, Nurse Chapel, beam down from the ship. They've dressed them in their, you know, kind of Roman Greek clothing ripoffs, right? And then they have made them reenact this particular love scene that they've come up with, however they, you know, whatever it is. And in the scene, they make Kirk kiss Uhura. So that's how the kiss comes around. It's not that he wanted to and that he was aiming to do it or anything like that. It's because these things forced him to do it. Gotcha. And so that's why it always gets kind of kicked around as, is this truly a kiss that should be celebrated considering it was done under duress. The, the the characters didn't want this to happen. Blah blah blah. It never happens again. But I assume it ne- it does not happen again. It never happens again. They don't have any kind of romantic involvement uh, whatsoever right. um, after that. But um, yeah, that's kind of how it gets debated a lot. But to me, I just say again, regardless of how it came around, it's still the first interracial kiss that was aired on television. Like right. you, you can say whatever, debate the finer points of it if you want to, but that's still the case. It still is this particular um, kind of kiss. So it's still important right. to be featured on a primetime uh, television show during the height of the, you know, race riots and civil rights and, and all the rest of it that was going on in the 60s. So, right. yeah. right. And so I, th- I think this was kind of uh, maybe a step in that spirit in the 90s. You know, they're looking back and it's now been 30 years, 30 plus years, you know, and we're having our own kind of pivotal moment here regarding, um, again, regarding equal rights for people, equal rights and representation for people. And I think that Star Trek was trying to kind of do the whole two birds with one stone thing here. You know, they wanted to have this, particular story but they also wanted to kind of put themselves you know again in that kind of sensationalized um uh, zeitgeist that we had going on in in the nation at the time revolving around gay and lesbian rights and relationships and and i feel like they did a better job of representing this when we listened to kira talk about her opinion of love and relationships because Kira says a very early on, she's like, I don't understand how two people who love each other, fall in love, and establish a life together can now face such a cultural taboo um, for wanting to continue their marriage, continue their life. Like that was, I think that was the closest that we got really right. to any kind of stance on gay and lesbian rights for the 90s. Right. Right. Not anything else that comes after because everything else can really be cloaked under the whole trill association issue but that would have been a more interesting thing for them to explore if they had done it that way but they didn't right so that's that's my little my little take on that particular part of it right um overall on this episode though um the episode doesn't do anything for the rest of deep space nine it is it you know i was gonna say it's a bottle episode but it's not a bottle episode considering the fact that you know we use that term bottle episode (laughs) kind of incorrect incorrectly bottle episode was always supposed to mean that it's it's considered a bottle because it's a 
one set, a contained set. It's yes. a it's a cheap episode to film. Right. It doesn't cost much. This episode was not that. There no. were a lot of CGI effects in this episode. We're on the Defiant. We've got Dax rocking on Thor's fields, which is really cool, you know, to see. There's a there's a lot there. So this is not a bottle episode right. in that regard. Right. It's uh, if you want to extend the term, it is in the fact that it does nothing to change the status of the greater world that we're in right. for Deep Space Nine. Right, and I, I, I'm i glad you mentioned the whole uh, wormhole bit because that's another instance, two instances of, um, actually, I, I, I feel like Jadzia made some mistakes. She's the one who suggested they use the Stage 4 uh, drone or whatever it was, and that apparently, the shielding mm-hmm. on that is what causes the explosion. So was she trying to show off? I mean, there, there's the question of, was her judgment inter- impaired? And then she risks her own life and the the, the life of ever of the entire crew by refusing to vent the, the 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 plasma or whatever. Which again, we're on a show where we want our guys to succeed, and failure is pretty rare. So I'm not surprised that they were successful in saving um, Khan. But part of me is like, like she she was told by uh, was it Middleton. The, the guy, the, the, the other guy, what's his, the... Eddington. Eddington, that's it. Like, we, we can't go save her, and she's like, give me 10 seconds, and I was like, that took longer than 10 seconds. You walked oh, yeah. across that. TV time. TV time is amazing, because oh, I mean, gosh. 10 seconds is definitely two minutes. Like, uh, yeah, just, again, John Wick yeah. 4, him climbing oh, up those gosh. stairs and fighting yes. off every assassin known to man, and he has like five and minutes somehow, to do it, and does it in 30. Minutes, that five minute, yeah, I was going to say, five minutes became 30. Like, really No quick. joke. Oh, my gosh. But anyway. Yeah, TV, um, TV time is way different, so I never subscribed to that. When she said that, too, I was like, okay. Yeah. Someone start the clock. Yeah. The ship should have blown up at least 15 seconds ago. Exactly. But go ahead. Exactly. So, I just, I mean, to put it simply... I, I think that there was there is something there about reassociation for the trill, and uh, we could have we could address that issue without going into the controversial aspects of a TV show in America in the ninety five in, in nineties in the nineties. Uh, but I feel like they chose to go with the controversial element so that they could be controversial, and um, I don't think that that saves the episode from the problems that are experienced within the episode. And, um, so I, I'm not a fan of this episode. So yeah, that's my summary. (laughs) I mean, and again, no one's going to like every single episode. I mean, we haven't, um, we'll get there because I've got some in in my head already that I'm thinking of. They're like, you know what? I, I watch these episodes out of sheer dedication to my love of Star Trek, not because they're great episodes. Surprised so you haven't we'll, mentioned we'll Move Along there. Home yet to me yet. <laughs> uh, you know, I was trying to be respectful. <laughs> I was trying to be respectful, but since you brought it up. Yeah, um, now I, I, brought it yeah, I brought it on myself. Yes, you and, did. I was trying not to. And I, I want to say that part of the reason I, I, I mentioned the fact that I read Altered Carbon this week is because but the show and the book address similar issues. I mean, if the idea of the book and the show is that people have a chip in the back of their neck that – basically uploads their personality and their all their memories and you can take that chip out and put it in a different body and so what happens when uh you are put into a body that's not your own and the body dysmorphia in the in the book there's a woman who was who went to prison effectively prison is basically take your chip out of your body and you're not allowed to have a body for like decades or centuries and then they put you back in a new body and it's not your own and it's kind of terrible 
it's, it's awkward at the very least. And this woman in the book, she comes out and she's put in a the body of an Asian woman. So she's a, she's a blonde woman initially, but she comes back out and she's put in the body of an Asian woman and she goes home and the main character allows her to have a night with her husband who had missed her. And she comes out the next morning saying, I feel kind of dirty. I feel like he's cheated on me because this is not my normal body. But I also feel like I've cheated on myself because I just had sex with my own husband with a body that's not my own. And so there is, in the show, she doesn't come out as an Asian woman. She comes out as a man. She comes out as a man and goes to her husband and is having to present herself all over again, but not as another woman, which removes the whole like you know homosexual angle. What happens when your wife comes home in the body of a man? Do you love her and, and all that in the body of a man? Do you have objections to that? I'm not attracted to male bodies, therefore I can't make love to you. What what? And then the show doesn't ever really get into the finer details, but it presents that stuff. And then similarly, the peripheral uh, presents the idea of um, what's what what is it like to be put in a cyborg body that's not um, not the same gender as you are. So um, I feel like it is something we could address. I just don't feel like this episode did it very well. <laughs> so. and, I, and, you know, it's interesting that um, I, I guess to me it's interesting that we see these types of questions come up. I mean, really a, a lot more in sci-fi, especially when it comes to the whole, you know, future world stuff, right? The year is 2609 or whatever it is. And, and things are happening. The year is, it's the year 4,000, right? And we're so far advanced and removed from our understanding of culture as it is right now, that these things are, you know, commonplace and having to, um, you know, answer the questions that you were just presenting has been a thing of the distant past at this point when they've come to these technologies and these innovations and lifestyles and everything else all of those questions are ancient or yeah they're ancient by now by the time you're dealing with them in the in the world that you're reading about like altered carbon like star trek like whatever you know like these these are social issues that were solved a long time ago and i always just find it so i always call it interesting i always find it interesting because it, they treat it with such triviality because that's what they, you know, it's that dismissal, that casual. Oh, we we dealt with that, but we're here now. Yeah, we haven't dealt with it yet. Right. So I just want to know, like, how did you deal with it? What did you do? And I think that that's, you know, that's always going to be the part that is intentionally left vague because we don't know. Right. We do, we don't know how it's going to be dealt with. We don't know how it's going to, you know, turn out or anything like that. So. Right. Um, and I, I would be very interested to read the the fiction of someone who finally wrote that and basically filled in the dots. Like, what what was their proposed uh, solution? How we got there, you know? Um, and I often feel like in the few that I would I would consider that get close, their answer is often annihilation, right? Like, it's always, oh, the world is so great, and everybody has all their stuff, and we're a utopian society, but we got there through to, through, we damn near annihilated ourselves, and the population was decimated by some, you know, you know, 900 billion dead, or whatever it is, and we had to rebuild, and now that we've wiped out whole generations, these things just don't matter anymore. 
Like that's that tends to be the solution that's presented in that. These problems that we had no longer became problems because a very much larger problem presented itself, which almost killed all of us. And through the need of survival, all that other stuff dropped away. Right. And um, uh, I like, I, I don't necessarily like the idea of annihilation or whatever, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I do like this. Um, I guess the note, how to describe this? It's a, you know, we talk about like first world problems, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like this could be classified that way a little bit. We have to kind of extend the metaphor a lot here. If you just follow me. And what I'm talking about is when all of your basic needs are met, right? And then even when the next level after basic needs are met and you're to a point where you you want for nothing. Right. I feel like people come up with things to argue with, disagree with, um, fight over that they wouldn't fight over if they had other things that were concerning to them, right? Fair enough, yeah. I agree with that. And so, yeah, so like when you're when you're homeless or living out of a van or whatever that is, I have to ask myself, like, does that person care that so and so is on TV and is is homosexual? Probably not. When all your concerns are survival, do you really care whether or not someone is a Democrat or Republican? Probably not. Yeah. Um, like, so that's what I'm, I guess that's what I'm getting at. So maybe that's why those thoughts are always so interesting when we get to these future whatevers, because it seems like the solution is always, if we reduce everyone down for a while to a point where basic survivability is all that we know for existence for a while, by the time we get back up to that point of utopias, opulence, and so forth, we will have effectively eliminated this thought of let's hate someone because they're different. That seems to be how it plays out. And that could just be me. Maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into it. I don't know, but that's just kind of what I see um, in some of these. I mean, I guess I was expressing it a little bit things. differently. I would say that there are tiered versions of problems in society. And yes, when you're homeless living out of a van the problems you're dealing with on the day-to-day don't allow you to deal with other issues that other people might, with their time and freedom, might engage in. And when you consider how serious someone living out of a van's problems are versus other problems, that puts certain things in perspective. Oh, I'm overreacting to this issue in front of me now compared to what other people might are dealing with and what I could do to help them. Um, but I, I would say there are certainly times when there are issues that are second, third tier issues need to be dealt with. But yes, if they're being dealt with before the other issues are being dealt with or with the premise. Or instead of. Instead of I feel like or ignoring. Is, yeah. I feel like that's more the, more the thing. Sure. It's not yeah. before, but it's more instead of. Right. Rather than tackling our real issues, we have now decided to distract ourselves with something right. that isn't, you know, and doesn't I, matter. And, and my, my personal opinion about a lot of issues is that a lot of things are intertwined. Yes, there are going to be t- issues that are third tier, but that doesn't necessarily mean they aren't related to first tier issues. But it doesn't that does not excuse not dealing with first tier issues as opposed to dealing with third tier issues. If you have even even complexity, doesn't mean that you ignore um, primary causes, etc. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, that's a conversation yeah. that could go in all kinds of directions. Uh, yeah. So. And unfortunately, we don't have that kind of time. Not at this point. I know that for, <laughs> yeah. I know that for my life and whatever tier it is I'm on or however you want to look at it, I personally just go with the whole, um, if it doesn't affect me, again, if it doesn't affect me personally, um, I don't care what you do. Like, right. don't don't mess with me or my family or my money. Because, <laughs> um, again, like you said, things are intertwined. My money is very personal to me because that's how I support myself and my kid and, and so forth. And, you know, that that's just it. But um, other than that, I try my best to just, you know, I guess live and let live. Like, what, what you're doing at your house is what you're doing at your house. It's not what I'm doing at mine, but that doesn't mean that what I'm doing at mine is any better or worse than what you're doing at yours. It's just that's your house. You pay for it. You do what you got to do. I mean, if you end up getting arrested for whatever it is that you do, that's totally on you. Um, <laughs> that's it. That, I'm just I'm just saying as an example. I don't, I don't know. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm just saying I very much believe that I have a choice. I exercise my choice. And beyond, as long as what I'm doing is legal and not hurting anyone, then I don't, there's no problem. There's no problem. So that's how I kind of go with my, that's how my guiding force for life is I don't want to cause anyone any kind of suffering. And uh, obviously I don't want to be arrested. So there we go. <laughs> that, that's nice. it. Uh, again, we could follow up on that conversation more i guess i can yeah, say more yeah. but at this point yeah certainly understandable and uh nothing much else needs to be said there yeah. so blah, blah blah no so yeah so final thoughts on this episode uh would you say that this is one that everyone should watch regardless of how they feel about it or no do you think that yeah, this is a it's all right but it's skippable I mean, I guess I'll, it'll depend on what you're wanting from your watch. If you're wanting, as you said, this episode doesn't necessarily affect future episodes. So if you're watching it, it's for the full experience. It's for what was the ramifications of this episode outside of the the storyline within the story itself. Again, the the controversy that it, it engendered outside of of you know as a, as a TV show. Um, if you're watching it for just straight up plot. You could skip it, I would say. Again, I, I feel like Jodzi as a character is let down by her actions in this episode. Um, but that, I mean, if you want the full character, if you're following the Jodzia storyline, this is essential. This is very important for her. So I guess it really depends on what you're wanting from your watch. What are you, what are you yeah. trying to go for? So. I would agree. As someone, as and for especially for us, as we pointed out many times, this episode, like, uh, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of Jadzia focus a lot of times. So if you are looking to kind of understand Jadzia more, uh, understand the trill more, you definitely must watch this episode. As for the rest of it, not much. Although I would say special nod to Avery Brooks for again presenting Cisco as being this, you know, he's a steadfast friend and supporter and. Gotta give a shout out to my man Worf for being so funny in the beginning with his deadpan delivery of "What do Klingons dream about?" Oh, we, we yes, that was we did get to really really get to talk about, about that, yes. but that was great. Um, you yeah, don't want to know that you don't know, yes. right? That's what he says. Things it's, that would make great. you. What does he say? It's things that would wake make from wake in the middle of the night and haunt your days and whatever. And then Kira the says, says, "I don't know if he's if he's. I don't know if he's joking." <laughs> 
So it's great. It's a yeah. great moment. Yeah. Um, once again, proving that there is something about Worf that even when he's on, you know, just there minimally, right. he contributes in such a way that you're just like, again, memorable. Right, exactly. Um, but other than that, I think we've kind of covered everything here in this episode. Um, if you agree with us, uh, let us know. If you don't agree with us, also let us know. Um, again, be respectful, be polite. This is all about uh, debate, social discourse. We're not trying to harm anyone. We're just, you know, talking about the episode, giving our opinions. It's not to say that we are right uh, in any of this. <laughs> if there's something that you feel like we overlooked or maybe we oversimplified or whatever it is, I would love to um, hear that and maybe even uh, engage with you on that a little bit. But um, we're certainly not going to just uh, dismiss anyone or try to enforce our ideas on anyone you don't have to accept what we say or anything like that but no exiling um, again, here <laughs> right exactly we are not here for that we are here to do in the finest of trek traditions we're here to talk man that's it yeah. we're here to talk so um go with the conversation but as always, you can find us and follow us on all the social medias. You can also listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify. And uh, until next week, where we'll be doing more of this, take care of yourselves. Thanks again, guys.